Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And together we are Ember Weekend. Did I already say Ember Weekend? I think I did. Welcome to Ember Weekend. We are Ember Weekend. Yeah, welcome to Ember Weekend. We are Ember Weekend. We're broadcasting from a bunch of different places now. Uh, I'm in Providence and Chase is in Round Rock. I've gotten I've gotten pretty good at actually knowing where you're at now. Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, today we got a bunch of really cool stuff to talk about. So I think we should just dive in. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201 T-W-O underscore O-H underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. First thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Julia Donaldson, and it's called Ember.js Mentorship and the Confidence Gap. And this is about Julia's story that I guess began, she says, less than a year ago when she graduated a boot camp and tried to like enter the workforce and noticed that it was really hard, even with you know the experience she got in the boot camp and feeling like she was really like hungry for work and, and, and willing to try and learn, many jobs were asking for you know, multiple years of experience, even from an entry-level like junior developer position. And this was about kind of her experience in moving beyond that. And the way that she crossed out of that like boot camp to junior developer kind of hurdle was getting uh, mentored. And in this case, the her mentor was Taras Minkowski. You've probably heard of him. Uh, he used to be Ember Sherpa. Now he's active in a bunch of different communities. He does a lot of mentoring. So if you're looking to, you know, you know, just get some get some mentorship, like get out of like 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 Julia, get out of this hurdle or this barrier, I guess, of you know being a completely entry level developer to like junior developer. Contact him. I'm sure he'd be willing to help. Yeah, yeah. I think actually, it's it's funny. Taras was probably like one of the first people that was mentioned on the show. I, I know on episode one of Ember Weekend, in fact, we were talking about GemConf. And like, yeah, I mean, he, he's been very active, does a bunch of really cool stuff. And mentorship, I think, is a really cool avenue that he has done historically. I've, I've met a bunch of people who have been mentored by him. And, you know, when I think about like how I even came into programming in general, I also had a mentor. And like, I do think that that is a really cool way to, I don't know, like cultivate an experience that will help you like get a job. So I, I think that the, you know, my takeaway from this is that one, like I think mentorship is really important for people who want to cross that, that hurdle of, you know, getting their first, you know, programming gig, but also like continuing on and as a, as an, a developer who's made it, you know, you've, you've, you're, you're working at a, at a job, or whatever, it might be time to consider like trying to mentor someone yourself. Like that, I think that could be a really cool way to contribute positively through to the ecosystem. Like try to get people an opportunity to figure things out and get into a place where they can, you know, make the make the career moves. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you become a mentor. I think that's another, that's maybe another blog post that we'd have to find or something. But I think it's definitely worth considering, you know, if you have some experience and some time, kind of pay it, pay it forward. Is that, is that's not even the word, is it? Is that an expression? It, it is, but I don't know if it actually matters here. Paying it, paying it forward would imply that at some point you're going to need a mentor. Um, ah, that's true. Okay, I see, I see. Okay, well, uh, I mean, I guess what I mean by that is just, you know, like contributing positively to your community. I think that's really the important part. Yeah. So definitely worth the read. I really enjoyed the blog post. So please check it out. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And the next thing we're going to talk about is that Ember 2.15 was released. 
And it comes with some pretty cool stuff. Some modifications to the router service. Mount accepts a model. Underscore lookup factor has been removed. I always find it funny when underscore methods are removed because it's like, well... Well, lookup factory was the only way that you could get a hold of the factory four model where it had the container and everything injected into it. Mm -hmm. They replaced it with like factory four. That was later though. But lookup factory was like, it was like an intimate API. It was a private, but everyone needed it. You could get around it, I think, by doing a create and like manually saying container is and somehow get a hold of the container, which I guess you might have because you're using lookup factory, which I believe was on the container. So yeah, there were there were ways around it, but it was an intimate API. It was good that they deprecated it and then eventually removed it. I think if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, the way to do this now is factory four, and they haven't made a change to that. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, all the, the changes in the router, the router service are are pretty awesome. They're uh you get like things like current route name, current URL, location, root URL. There's some of it implemented now. They call it phase one. Phase two is like more extensive and it goes into things like removing the hooks and routes, deprecating the will transition and did transition, and now giving just like a a way to just subscribe in the service to like route will change, route did change, like anywhere, which is good for things like at one point I made a component that was like active tabs. So it was like a tab component that needed to show like, you know, an underscore or it needed to show like a line under it for the active route. And if you don't use a link to, you don't get that automatic like active class put on anything. And so the way I had to do it was like hooking into some private APIs and things. And these are the public APIs that would make that component not have to touch private things. So that's, that's really cool. I don't know if there's any phases beyond phase two. I think after that, it's pretty much everything's in place. So did we really need phases? Yeah. Right. Seems yeah. like an A and B kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't make the rules here. I don't make the rules. I, I like that they split it up like that. Like that, <laughs> the the things that are at the top are the things I think are more commonly needed, and the things at the bottom right. are like yeah. they they're harder nice to have. And they, yeah. yeah, they actually remove things from route. You know, the routes. So that's a kind of a problem. Whereas the other things are just added. Like anybody, you can have those, and it doesn't affect anybody. But phase two actually is like a breaking change. Right, definitely. That makes sense. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, definitely read the blog posts as always, or as as usual, the blog posts actually on the Ember blog usually have like the most like concise descriptions of all these like sweeping Ember changes. So uh, it's definitely a good thing to get into the habit of trying to read them every time they're released. Yeah, it's I'm pretty excited about this release. There's a bunch of really cool stuff down the pipe. I, I really like the router service. Like it's it's really nice. Yeah, so definitely check this out. And the next thing we're going to talk about is the Ember Font Awesome package. It has a new release. So I think it's 4.0.0. It's like an alpha release that supports a bunch of new features of Font Awesome. I and mean, it has a bunch of really cool effects. Do you want to talk about that, John? Yeah. So there's a bunch of really cool things going on with Ember Font Awesome. So Ember Font Awesome is something that I think a lot of people use to get some really cool, to, to leverage Font Awesome itself and get these nice icons on your page. But there's been some, I don't know, like some concerns. I think this is something that actually you brought up at some point, Chase. There's like a, a, there's a size component to including Ember Font Awesome in your application. And now, basically, there was an overhaul that does 100% of this at build time. 100% of all of the Font Awesome stuff is done at build time or compile time. So there are zero bytes of JavaScript shipped. Which I've been doing, I know I mentioned this like a bunch on the show, but I've been doing performance work for quite some time, maybe like two months now on a pretty large app. And like, it does matter, like these individual bytes and bits, it does matter. So like having like people and having the ability and having people looking at, you know, what are we shipping down to the browser is really cool. Yeah, it's just it's just neat. Yeah, so it's 100% compile time. And I think this is going to tie in a little bit to our final talking point, but we'll get to that in a minute about how Ember facilitates the 
optimization of things like this because it has such strong conventions, especially at the build layer. The other thing, though, that this does is that it actually removes the icons you don't use, though, right? So that's important, too. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, because that more, would, yeah, 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 that was that was the size problem with Font Awesome was that you know even if you didn't use something, it was all in this big huge font file. Whereas this, I'm not sure. I mean, they're I think they switched to SVG, but it's saying it removes the CSS of the unused icon. So I think they're probably embedding the you know the SVG actually inside of the CSS, and then if you just don't use the mm. the icon, they just remove it from the you know the final CSS output. So that'd be really interesting to try. I'd like to like basically put this in an app and then not use anything and then see what the increase is. Yeah, that'd be cool. Theoretically, it should be zero, but it would be nice to, to check out. Yeah, definitely very cool. So definitely check it out. And if you're using Ember Font Awesome already, since this is alpha software, it's really important to get users using it to kind of expose bugs and edge cases while they will like work on new solutions and stuff. So yeah, I would encourage you, if you're using Ember Font Awesome, to pull it in and check it out. Make sure everything, you know, kick the tires, so to speak. All right, and the last thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Tom Dale that was uh, pretty pretty recent, September 5th. It's Compilers Are the New Frameworks. It's a pretty, pretty short blog post, but basically I think it's Tom Dale's kind of realization that I guess he's only working on compilers now, <laughs> even though he's a web developer. <laughs> and basically his idea is that in the future, all of this JavaScript is going to be compiled in some way. Like, we're already doing it, and we've been uglifying things and minifying things for a while, but now with like, all of the crazy Babel stuff you can do and and you know and all of the WebAssembly coming out and you know there's the JavaScript you write is looking less and less like the JavaScript that ends up in the browser, which means I guess our source maps are gonna get huge and, and become really necessary. But the the end result of this is he's basically saying that web development is getting more and more into being a like a compiled system, like where you you need to know how compilers work to really be able to do your job. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's a really cool place to be. It means that we're going to be able to do really intense optimizations that are very difficult now, trivially in the future. But it will require a fundamental understanding of like how we're transforming things for basically what is now like a straight up runtime target. It's not. It's like it's like an application, especially when like WebAssembly like starts becoming like the way that apps are are tra- or apps are transpiled to WebAssembly. You're just going to see like uh, you're you're really going to have to know like what pieces like you're going to have to have this very firm mental model of how everything plays in to the final output for you know your distribution. So I don't know. I, I I found this really an interesting article just to think about like where we were at. You know, like not that long ago, Ember apps shipped their templates as strings in script tags on your HTML page. And like, just think about where we are now with like the wire format and Glimmer and like how we do compilation and use ES6 modules and stuff. Just to think about that, that was not a very long time ago. Yeah, um, and and then like yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Tom Dale tweeted this, this I guess a PR by, uh, by Chad Hayatala that's like a change to Glimmer. And it's basically like talking about the byte order and how, how many, like how many bits are like telling this little bit of information about each opcode and how they optimized it just a little bit more. And it's like now we're at that level where I mean this is the kind of kind of conversations you have when you're like building like like a compiler, when you're building like the you know a Rust compiler mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy to go that far. Yeah. And I'm just I, you know, I just I just think that, you know, I think it's really important. First off, I think Ember is uniquely suited because of the strong conventions to allow this kind of compiler level thinking to to be widespread, to be used by many people um, without everyone having to understand the nuts and bolts, which is awesome. But just like if you think about this historically, like where Ember was at when it was using globals uh, exclusively, like think about a JS bin from like 
you know, when we first started Ember Weekend, you know, it was just like, include some strip tags, ins- include jQuery at the top of your HTML, Ember dot, you know, whatever. And, and like thinking about where we are now with, you know, just think about the tooling, the, the corresponding tooling for Ember Twiddle, you know, like, like it's like night and day. So like in, if we keep up with all this, like it's not going to be very long before we're making much different, like our apps are going to look way different in the future. I mean, I know that extrapolation doesn't really work, you know, in the future, like very well, but I mean, we're going to be looking at things and we're going to be thinking about things differently. And like compilers are the tools that we're, you know, that's, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to take these frameworks, these conventions that we have, and we're going to say, okay, well, write your apps this way. And we're going to do a lot of really crazy things to make, you know, the, the final thing that goes to your browser, you know, this really cool thing and have, have access to features and capabilities that are not, you know, possible today. So it's kind of, it's, it was, it's a fun, uh, you know, it's a fun read and it makes you think about, you know, like what, what, what is the future going to hold? But yeah, it's, it's also, I think maybe a call to action to maybe understand a little bit more how compilers work and all the different language parlance and, you know, concepts that you have to put in your, your mind to really leverage that in the future. All right, and that's all we have for this week. As always, you can catch us on Twitter at Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll talk to you next weekend. 